This episode is sponsored by State Farm. You a small business owner looking for insurance that fits your needs and budget? Well, look no further than State Farm. State Farm agents are not just insurance providers. They're also small business owners who live and work right here in your community. They understand the unique challenges of running and protecting a small business. When it comes to small business insurance, State Farm knows what it takes. Create a plan that fits your needs and your budget. State Farm agents are ready to help you choose personalized policies that truly understand your business. Ensure your small business with a fellow small business owner. Talk to a State Farm agent today and get started on personalized small business insurance that fits your needs. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Talk to your local agent today. Hi, I'm David Stein. When I'm not talking to other people about money on Money for the Rest of Us, I'm stacking Benjamins. Live from Joe's mom's basement, it's The Stacking Benjamin Show. I'm Joe's mom's neighbor, Doug, and how much do you know about government benefits? From Social Security to disability, there's a lot to know. But one of the biggest benefits is Medicare. And today, we'll share five decisions you'll need to make with Medicare expert Danielle Kunkel-Roberts. Think you're too young for that conversation? You'll want to know early. Plus, that's not all. On today's headline segment, we'll talk about the stock market. Is it time for Bear Market Part 2? Joe and OG will share their opinion. Of course they will. And yes, we'll toss out the Haven Lifeline to Amy, who has a question about getting financial advice when you're an American living abroad. And last but not least, you're going to be blown away by my trivia. And now, two guys who are the premier experts on Medicare, because they've been on it for so long, it's Joe and O-J-J-J-J-G. There's days Doug nails it, and other days when... Just a bit outside. Oh my goodness. Hey, welcome to the show featuring two of the youngest guys on the planet. I'm Joe Salci. I average Joe Money on Twitter, and across the card table from me, the young and spry... I'm at least 22 years away from Medicare. You know, it is funny this weekend, and I shouldn't out her about this weekend, but everybody in my family this weekend became eligible for AARP. Ah... Yeah, in your immediate family, not including I'm, your children. I'm going to say dinner at Denny's on me. Big discounts. Well, as long as you have it at four. Big, big, big discounts. It's going to be great. You know what else is going to be great? Danielle Roberts is here today, and I have to tell you, there are all kinds of government benefits out there, and you want to know how they work. Danielle Roberts understands Medicare, and whether you're close to Medicare or far away, she's going to talk about the healthcare system. She's going to talk about navigating that five things you need to know for Medicare on today's show. By the way, if you need to know more about the basics of your money, head to our email, the stacker, stackybenjamins.com forward slash stacker. You will receive over the course so far about 21 weeks in a row. I know a long time ago, I said, we're going to have 52 weeks. We're still working on it, brother. We're getting to 52 weeks. Progress, not perfection, Joe. Of lesson. That's right. What are you going to do when you get to 52? That's interesting. Then at the end of 52, because 
people don't remember studies show people don't remember lessons from longer than a year. I'm going to go and tweak those messages and repeat many of the same messages, update the, the links when we do the strategy and tactics ones, Mm -hmm. when we do the strategy and tactics emails, the ones that show all the links to go to for the things about what we've talked about the past few weeks, continue to keep those updated and refreshed so that you always have these ongoing money lessons once a week. So about four or five years from now. Someday we'll get there. Someday. (laughs) But hey, 21 is better than zero. So you should get 21 (laughs) and be happy with that. We do have some big news coming up, though. We got a big event coming up in November that I'd love to talk to you about, but people in the stack are going to hear about that first. And then second, this time next year, hopefully, COVID is gone and OG and I are out on tour. Tell me about it. I've got a new book coming from Penguin Random House. And uh, we will be headed around the country doing live shows, meetups, some other fun stuff. Stackybenjamins.com forward slash stacker. We got a great show today, Daniel. Roberts is here. But first, we have some amazing headlines. So let's get moving. Hello, darlings. And now it's time for your favorite part of the show, our Stacking Benjamins headlines. Oh, boy. Big problems coming, OG. Big, big, big problems. Oh, you haven't noticed. Oh, okay. Oh, this this comes to us from uh, MarketWatch. Barbara Kohlmeyer wrote this. I didn't have to go far because it was splashed across MarketWatch's front page late last week. The second wave of a rolling bear market is about to begin, says <sighs> Top Forecaster. Thank God. Sell everything. Hide under your bed. Bitcoin, gold, and cash. Those are the only three things. It's going to be horrible. It is going to be horrible. The world is ending. And it's the second wave, by the way, in the bear market. Did you know that a bear market comes in waves? Wouldn't they call that like a... Should you like to change the analogy then? Instead of it being a bear market, it's like a fish market. Keep everything in line with the same story. There's got to be a better way to explain this stuff. But you know what? If it bleeds, it leads. And today we're talking about people's portfolio bleeding. Barbara writes, a recent spate of stock drops exacerbated by signs of a second wave of the coronavirus pandemic is unsettling to say the least. The market sell-off of last spring was brief but brutal. That was that was your first bear market right there. Our call of the day, and by the way, it's not a phone call, it's the stock pick of the day, is from... Yes, Lamoureux, the president of macroeconomic research from Lamoureux and Company, says the second COVID-19 wave is about to usher in another stock pullback. We could be so lucky. And before anybody thinks that we're a little tongue-in-cheek, we are a lot tongue-in-cheek. <laughs> About selling everything? Yes. Very much tongue-in-cheek. Sorry. Please, please yes. don't do that. I always forget that sarcasm is uh, sometimes difficult to... Well, you know, there might be somebody new today. Well, and also you can't see our faces, right? My eyes have rolled six times since this piece started. Lamoureux, who correctly predicted a panic event of 2018, originally forecast a three-part rolling bear market up to 2022. In mid-March, he told this column that a bear market was near and it arrived a few days later. (laughs) He went went out on a limb and just totally was like, I think the stock market's going to go down with the economy shut down. The biggest part of this story, though, is buried in the second half of this sentence, and it's halfway down this article. 
So that sentence starts with, in mid-March, he told his column that a market bottom was near to arrive a few days later on March 23rd. Here's the second half of the sentence. The S&P 500 has since recovered 44%. 44%. Yeah. That was part one. Quote, so we have a second wave coming. We have very wealthy people taking profits on stocks, and we see a lot of speculation in the market. I think the market's going to start to go down again, Lamoureux told MarketWatch recently. This sell-off phase will start slow and extend into 2021, he added. Another big bounce will follow that with a final drop to come perhaps near 2023. Is his name Lamoureux or Nostradamus? Right. I mean, here's the thing. Stock market always goes up and down. It's not tough to forecast that you think that the market's going to go down. I think it's going to go down. I think it's going to go back up. I think it's going to go down again. Then I think it's going to go back up again. And then I think it's going to go down. Look, I told you guys everything what to expect. Put me on market watch. Well, and also for people new to the show, we're, we're not even laughing about whether he's right or wrong. Yeah. He might be completely right. How the hell do you act on this information? Why on earth would you act on this information? Which then leads to the biggest domino. If you shouldn't act on it and you shouldn't do anything, why the hell is it the headline, big ass headline on the front page of Market Watch? Because it's the thing that attracts all the attention. Sure. Think about it like from the perspective, uh, what you said there about acting on it. So this guy comes on, on TV or on the newspaper or whatever in the middle of March and says, the bottom's about to fall out. So you follow his advice, right? And you say, oh, I'm getting out. I'm out. March 15th or March 19th or something. When did you get back in? You basically took all of the downside, except for a few days. I guarantee if you got out on March 20th, you didn't go back in on March 23rd. You weren't like, yeah, this is the bottom. I'm getting back in. It's just like the Reddit person, the cautionary tale we we talked about last oh, week. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Who got out at the bottom, right? Thinking it was the start of the cliff. Remember, everybody thought that was the start of the cliff. Sure. Everybody thought that. That's all I was hearing about. This is the beginning of the end. And then the thing comes rolling back. Yeah, nobody, you didn't get back in. No, No, you didn't. And the reality is, is once you figure it out that the market's gone down a little bit, it's already gone down a little bit. You know, here we are at the end of September, the first couple, two weeks of it, of September, tech stocks and NASDAQ was down quite a bit, 10, 12%. So when do you know the market's going to go down 20%? When it's gone down 20%. <laughs> Until then, it doesn't, it's just conjecture. But I think the important thing, like you said, is so what do you do with the information? If you have a financial goal that is in the next week, you have a financial goal that's in the next month, or financial goal that's in the next quarter, you shouldn't be invested in stocks right now anyway. If you have a financial goal in the next year, you shouldn't be invested in stocks right now anyway. If you're like the vast majority of people who listen to this, who have 20, 25, 30 years before you need any of this money, and then 50, 60 years before you need all of the money, who cares what the next month or two or three or year or two or three looks like? You pray for the low prices that you're able to invest in. How many of us six weeks ago looked at the stock market and said, dang, I wish that I would have had extra money to invest in March when it went down. Well, today, the price of the stock market is the same as it was early in the summer. Is that not a deal? You were, you were excited about the returns at the end of August and how great it was up, you know, like you said, 40, 45%. Now 
Now you get to buy it at June prices and maybe you'll get to buy it at March prices and maybe you'll get to buy it at 2017 prices or 2010 prices. I have no idea. I think we also have to look at though where fear resides. And I think especially for new investors, I think the fear resides on the fact that they think that their portfolio can go to zero, right? Yeah, sure. That they could lose all of their money. And I think when you have that, listen, it's okay to have that feeling, but take that feeling and learn more about how the market really works. Because if you're in broad-based indexes, here's what's really happening. Your stocks over long periods of time are just a reflection of the economy. For the economy to continue, companies have to make money. If companies make money, stocks go up. That's exactly what happens. And by the way, they have to go up equal to inflation just to keep moving, just to keep the economy on par. And investors won't accept that because investors invest in stocks for a real return. So for companies to succeed, they have to beat inflation. They have to beat inflation. And this is looking at the big economy, not one single company, which is why we don't invest in one company because we don't know which one's going to win. So we invest in the broad market. So every time the broad market goes down and it goes down a lot, it comes back up and it's not magic. It isn't magic. It is the way the economy works. And when you put money in stocks, you're investing in that. So I'm looking at something, oh, gee, that you know very well uh, called an Ibbotson chart. And the Ibbotson chart that I'm looking at goes all the way back to just before the big, 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 big stock market crash in the 1920s. And then goes all the way through this particular one I'm looking at only goes through 2016. But it makes the point. You know how many times the, the stock market has gone down from the early 1920s to 2016? A lot. A ton. <laughs> a ton. Yeah. It has gone down a ton, but it always it always has a return to normal. And, and I look at these and sometimes it's extended, sometimes it's not. How are you going to guess which one of these was an extended downturn and which one was it? You can't play that game. Yeah. You just, you can't play the game. This dude could be brilliant and he could be making a great market call. The bad news is this show's headline segment has been littered, just littered with people who got it wrong. Just tons of people who got it wrong. And you got to admit, OG, you and I weren't trying to predict people that were going to get it wrong. We weren't saying, oh man, I hope this guy screws up. We were just saying, I don't know if you should follow this and person after person just keep getting it wrong. Well, and the people that we talk to for our business and people that call in for the show and, uh, and email the show and things like that, these are the people that are generally doing it correctly. But globally, on a big picture basis, all of the data suggests that everyone <laughs> is getting this completely wrong. I just saw a tweet. I wish I would have, I wish I would have snapshot. I probably, probably could find it because it's not that long ago. But I just saw a tweet that said that the largest amount of money ever has moved out of equity positions and into fixed income and cash and gold. And you just go, what, 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 what? <laughs> did everybody retire all on the same day? <laughs> people are playing the game. Sure. Of course they are. And because of on this side of the equation, fear and panic, which are a different side of the same pendulum of greed and euphoria, which is on the other side of the pendulum, by the way, which everyone felt as of February of this year, stocks can never go down. Now they only can go down and they can never go down and they only can go down. 
Those are the two. There's no middle ground, <laughs> right? If you have financial goals that are due shortly, shouldn't be in the market. If you have financial goals 10 or 20 years from now, your money needs to be invested in, in the equity ownership of companies. It's the only way you'll make it. Because if you don't keep up with that inflation, fixed income's not going to do it. You can't put your money in treasuries. You're getting a third of a percent right now. It's going to take, what, 2,000 years to double your money or something? Is that what the article said? <laughs> I think this is a great place to leave it. Maybe this gentleman's a good reminder, whether he's right or wrong, that if you've got short-term money in the stock market, get it the hell out. Short-term goals, short-term money. Long-term goals, long-term money. Our second headline comes to us from Investment News. This is, uh, this is some good news here. This headline that I found this morning, Americans believe sustainable funds can offer higher returns. A majority, 55% of Americans are more likely to invest in sustainable funds for their more attractive return profile, according to a study on investor attitudes towards sustainable investing conducted internationally by Schroeder's. The survey of more than 23,000 investors globally, including 2,000 in the U.S., found that only 4% cited they will not invest in sustainable funds due to perception of inferior returns, down from 27% in 2018. I want to highlight this headline for two reasons. Number one, hey, that's great. The data shown for a few years now that sustainable funds, in some cases, outperforming. But you can't invest with your gut. Oh, gee, you can't invest just, but you know, I feel like this fund can win. I feel <laughs> like a fund that invests purely in this. I like the color scheme of this logo. It really. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Another headline I just found very entertaining. Americans believe sustainable funds can offer higher returns. Americans believing that funds can do anything is irrelevant. You still should go to Morningstar and you still need to do your due diligence out of fun. Don't get me wrong. Yes, sustainable funds have done very well. And probably, frankly, as we see more companies invest in sustainable ways, probably a good part of your portfolio, but don't just invest there because you believe that this is, uh, I believe that investing completely in bottle caps is the place to go. I was going to say, I believe Tide Pods look delicious. <laughs> too soon. Is it too soon to joke about that? They look delicious. Do we need to say to that one too? Please don't do that. Don't eat your Tide Pods. Please yeah. don't eat your Tide Pods. Yeah. I think that might be the number one lesson, but isn't that, it, isn't that funny? Yay. People believe it. Trust but verify, I guess. Ta-da. I think that is takeaway number one. Takeaway number two, another person says the stock market's going down. You got money in short-term places. Get it out. You got money in long-term spots. Ignore the headline. Well, Danielle Kunkel Roberts is one of the foremost experts in the area of Medicare, Medicare planning, Medicare supplements. Her company, Boomer Benefits, works directly in that realm. But she has been somebody who's been a resource for so many people when it comes to understanding getting Medicare right. And much like Social Security and other benefits that people may qualify for, you have to understand some of the fine print. And the first thing that you want to do, by the way, is do not be somebody who's now eligible for a benefit and you're trying to figure it out today. Figure out ahead of time, get a lesson in how it works ahead of time. And uh, 
the cool thing is, is that with Danielle, it's always an entertaining and informative discussion. Let's say hi to Medicare expert, Danielle Kunkel-Roberts. And on my dad's shortwave radio, it's my friend, Danielle Kunkel-Roberts. How are you? I'm terrific. Good to see you. It's been a while. It is. But but you know what? I'm seeing you the same way I see everybody these days via video. The cool thing is, is all I have to do is show up in a decent shirt. Of course, I barely do that. I've got a Mickey Mouse shirt on today. But <laughs> but I mean, does anybody wear pants anymore? Let's be real. Hey, of course not. And I like this game. Do you remember on the Today Show, they used to have that, where in the world is Matt Lauer? Lately with you, it's kind of like, where in the world is Joe? (laughs) Yes. That's a whole different topic for another show, Danielle. (laughs) We are not going to talk about that, but we are going to talk about Medicare, which is super important. And I feel like people wait too long to understand about Medicare. And I love in the introduction to your book, you talk about the average person that you know, that you hear about, who has 15 tabs open on their computer. They have brochures, they have uh, magazine articles, they have all these different resources, but none that are really comprehensive. And they have to make a decision in the next three days. It seems like, sadly, that's the rule, not the exception, isn't it? Yeah, and I think it is because, I mean, who's excited about learning Medicare? You know, oh, come your whole life, I you am. For an employer. You are? <laughs> <No>. <laughs> well, we know enough to know that it'll be a little cheaper than probably what we pay now. But, you know, your whole life, you work for an employer and they choose your insurance for you. And now you have to learn a national health care system. Who wants to do that? So we procrastinate and procrastinate. And then the day is upon you. And what you don't realize is that a few months before the big day comes, actually sometimes up to a year, the insurance companies are soliciting you and you're getting slick mailers and postcards and flyers and telemarketers and all that adds to the anxiety, which makes it even harder. Yeah. The telemarketers are relentless. I hear. Mm -hmm. Yeah. We get a lot of complaints about that and I'll give you a tip on how you can avoid that is don't go to the internet, type in Medicare and put your name and information on the first 10 websites that you see because every single one of those websites is going to sell your data to 12 to 15 insurance companies and agents who are all going to call you. And so you unwittingly walk right into that. It's better for you to research on your own. Don't give out your information until you're really ready to sit down with someone and make some decisions. So frustrating. It's just like when uh, the couple times I've bought cars through car dealerships and I pit the dealerships against each other. And I always say on that form, Danielle, I always say, if you call me, I'm automatically disqualifying you. And everybody freaking calls me. Everybody calls me. Uh, Exactly. So you just don't do it. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. (laughs) Well, let's dive into some of the things that people uh, need to know. The first thing that we obviously need to know about is enrollment. When's the best time to enroll for Medicare? So you have a seven-month initial enrollment period at age 65, and your Medicare enrollment date is not related to your Social Security enrollment. So you don't have to worry about that. Medicare is age 65. So you have a seven month window, three months before your 65th birthday, the month of and three months after. And if you don't have employer coverage or some other type of benefits like TRICARE, VA or those kind of things complicating your decision, you're going to enroll in Medicare Parts A and B right when you turn 65 during that window. Then if you are working for an employer, you may be only enrolling in one part or another. And so learning about those parts ahead of time so you can decide what to do during that seven-month window is really important. The first question I have, there's a bunch of people walking with their device right now going, wait a minute, I got TRICARE. 
I have no idea how that complicates it. How does that complicate the game? Yeah. So when you have TRICARE, what we see people doing is deciding whether they should keep TRICARE and whether or not they need any parts of Medicare versus going with Medicare and enrolling in an Advantage plan or Medicare supplement. So it's just one more choice complicating everything. And with TRICARE, you still need to enroll in Medicare Parts A and B, even if you're keeping TRICARE. So the moral of the story there is you want to enroll in Parts A and B right during that seven-month window, unless you have some other form of creditable coverage that's primary to Medicare, like working for a large employer and postponing your retirement. Yeah, that, that was my next question. I think you just answered it. So that's that's probably the only time when I don't want to use that seven-month period. Yeah, that's right. And even in that situation, most people will still enroll in Part A, your hospital benefits, because those don't cost anything if you've put in 10 years of FICA taxes during your working years in the U.S., but you can enroll the other, you can delay the other part so that you don't have to pay premiums for those at the same time as you have payroll deductions for your work insurance. What about uh, prescriptions? I mean, that's a whole different ball, isn't it? It is, but we're very lucky to have a decision to make about prescriptions because back prior to 2006, people in Medicare had no drug coverage. So I used to have clients with diabetes and they'd pay ten dollars to $15,000 a year for their insulins. Today, we have Medicare Part D. While it's not perfect, it is some coverage that's going to greatly reduce uh, your risk of drug spending. And so it's really important to learn about Part D and decide how you're going to get those benefits. And it's not something that we recommend failing to enroll in because, of course, there's penalties uh, to do that down the line. And you never want to also be caught without any coverage. Can we talk about how the prescription coverage works just in general, though? Yeah, it's kind of like a pharmacy card. You're going to present it at the pharmacy. You're going to pay a monthly premium for the coverage. If you have a standalone Part D drug plan, you pay a premium to the insurance company. And now when you go to the pharmacy, you're going to have discounts on the medications to where you just pay a copay. What's more complicated about Medicare drug coverage than what you had before is that there's stages to the coverage and there can be a deductible. And the deductible is quite high for people on a fixed income. It's $435, I think, this year. It's going up next year. And so a lot of the plans will implement that deductible. You can look for a plan that waives the deductible, but then your medicines are going to cost more. And so they're pretty much going to get that money out of you one way or the other. And you need to be prepared for that, knowing that you're going to spend more on prescriptions when you have Medicare than you probably did before when you had that big corporate plan. That's important to know because a lot of people, I don't think, think about their, you know, they think about their emergency fund, but they don't think about how I probably have to add some extra money then in retirement, keep a little bit of extra money in that emergency fund for things like my prescription coverage. Yeah. And it's one that does surprise people. So that emergency fund is so good for those things. Maybe you didn't find out until the last minute that you were going to have this big deductible. Now, at least you're going to be able to get your medications and work on reinvesting into your emergency fund later. And I'm guessing it's still, I mean, all, all places to get my prescription filled are still not created equal. It still makes sense, I would imagine, to shop around where I'm going to find my prescription. Yeah, that's right. And Medicare provides you a great portal for that. It's called mymedicare.gov. You can go in there, type in all your prescriptions, hit the button, and it'll show you all the plans in your area that are being offered. The tricky part is you'll usually see 20 to 30 different plans. Oh my. And this causes overwhelm and we immediately want to shut down. <laughs> 
But Medicare does rank them for you. So when you put those medications in and you run them, you can sort them by lowest premium plus lowest annual drug cost. And then you want to look at the top two to three plans uh, displayed there because those are the ones where everything is considered. Your premiums, your deductible, the co-pays for your specific meds. That makes picking the plan that's number one or two on the list a lot more cost effective than picking one, say, that's number 10 or 11 on the list. Yeah, boy, that's that's and I bet that's a resource people don't even know exists. Yeah. And they miss it all the time. And they also feel overwhelmed by the choice. So they just don't sign up. And you can only enroll during uh, into Part D during certain times of the year. Now, what happens if you get sick in February and you need a $400 medication and you can't get into a drug plan again until next year? You don't want to be in that situation. No. So one thing that I know, speaking of things people don't know about, is there is this fork in the road when it comes to Medicare. Two routes you can go for Medicare supplemental coverage. I think most people don't even realize there's two different ways you can go. Talk about those. What is this fork in the road where we're going to have to make a major decision around uh, supplemental coverage? Yeah. So you're going to choose how you're going to get your Medicare benefits. You can get those either through the federal government and you can add a Medigap plan and a Part D drug plan to help pay for the things that Medicare doesn't. Or you can get all of those same benefits through a private insurance company that operates a local network in your area. And you can get your benefits through that insurance company and you'll pay your co-pays as you go along. So the big thing that's really different about those two choices is that one of them keeps you with original Medicare where you have access to all the providers in the United States, but it costs more to buy a Medigap plan. On the flip side, a Medicare Advantage plan is cheaper, but you're also limiting yourself to that more local, smaller network of doctors. You'll have cheaper premiums because you use a network, but then you're going to have co-pays as you go along. So you're going to be making a decision that's relative to your needs, your lifestyle, your budget, and maybe how much medical usage that you have and deciding which one really feels like the best fit for you. Is it just how much medical usage I have? Because it also sounds like if I travel a lot, that's going to be, that's going to really change the game. It does. And so think about it. If you have original Medicare and you can see any provider in the United States, if you live the RV lifestyle and today you're in Colorado and tomorrow in Vermont and then California, uh, you're going to be able to see people anywhere and Medicare doctors anywhere in the nation. You present your card. They're going to accept that. Your Medigap plan will pay what it needs to no matter where you're at. With a Medicare Advantage plan, you do have emergency coverage worldwide, but it's not going to pay for, let's say you're camping out in Colorado for four months and you need to see a doctor there. Those kind of things may or may not be covered on your Medicare Advantage plan, depending on which type that you chose. And even if they are, let's say you had a PPO where you have some out-of-network benefits, you're going to pay more to see doctors for those non-emergency things on an Advantage plan. These analogies about moving around, these are hitting close to home. You, it's, it, you're making me uncomfortable. <laughs> yes, it's something to think about, right? Yeah. It is. Yeah, how do we stop moving around? Let's ask that question. What if we don't move around? Let's pretend that we're in one place for more than a month. We're not in Vermont for a month and in California for a month. How does that work? Beyond that fork, where do you see people make the wrong decision? Well, we talked about that a little bit, but do you see people really go off the rails on this decision? Yeah, a lot of times what happens is they're so overwhelmed, they just pick a plan. And when we do that, we tend to choose the cheapest plan we can find. And then that's where you get into trouble because maybe you can find a Medicare Advantage plan with a really low premium 
that sounds really great to you, but perhaps you didn't know that Medicare Advantage plans have a network, and now you find out that your endocrinologist is not in the network. That could be really upsetting to people if they have an ongoing health condition, and now suddenly they don't have access to the doctor because they simply didn't investigate to learn that the plan that they joined has a network that they need to use. I feel very lucky that I don't even know what an endocrinologist does. <laughs> you should feel lucky, I yes. feel very, very lucky. <laughs> Me too. <laughs> yes, that is where I am truly blessed that I have no idea what that doctor is. I got to tell you on this list of five important Medicare things that you need to hit, number four on your list of five, I love the fact that it's number four because you list that then after going through these first three, then you choose a Medicare company as the fourth decision. And you and I both know, well, maybe we don't. I, sh I should probably ask you the question. Do you see what I always saw with life insurance and disability and car insurance, where somebody starts with the insurance company, finds out what they offer, and then they completely limit themselves from this wide field of places where they should be shopping? Absolutely. And, you know, we get really stuck on that because maybe we had a good experience. Let's just say, you know, you've had several major carriers throughout your lifetime and you had a good experience with Blue Cross. Well, that's terrific. But Blue Cross's Medicare policies are completely different. And the networks are different if you're looking at Advantage plans than the one that you had when you were under 65. And so you might be saying, I'm just going to go with this company and then later find out that you're paying $50 or $100 more a month for coverage than another carrier that had a more competitive rate in your area. Blue Cross might be the cheapest in some areas and it may not be in other areas. And same with all the other major big brand carriers. So you don't want to make a decision based on a brand name. You want to investigate which plans in your area are the most competitively priced for the route that you want to go. Then look at the top two or three, just like we talked about with drug plans to see, okay, you know, which of these carriers is going to give me a competitive price. And one good thing about Medigap plans is that Medicare standardized them. So the benefits for, say, a Medigap plan G are the same with one carrier as they are to the next. And that allows you to really narrow down and shop based on price. You can look at financial ratings. Um, you can look at the rate increase histories for the carrier over the last few years. And those are all things you want to dig into rather than just going out and grabbing a big brand name company that you know, but you're not familiar with how they operate in the Medicare market. Yeah, that's a tough thing for people is learning to shop apples to apples. And I bet having more of this standardized approach where it makes it easier to shop apples to apples helps people a ton. Yeah. And Medicare gives great tools for that as well. So, you know, check out their website, which is Medicare.gov. Sign up for the portal where you can shop drug plans and Advantage plans. Use the comparison tools that are provided to you to get some of that information. You talked about rate increases. That's an area I don't hear people talk about, Danielle, but it also implies something I think also goes back to your emergency fund. I would guess then, based on you saying that companies have had big rate increases in the past, we should maybe be ready for that in the future. Yeah, for certain, <clears throat> because healthcare inflates. And, you know, you may have a company where the group of people that they have on a certain plan just incurred a lot of losses that year. And that means when they file with the Department of Insurance for the next year, they're going to file for a bigger rate increase to cover those losses. And that's on top of Medicare inflation. So when you enroll in, say, a Medigap plan, you want to know that every year, once a year on your policy anniversary, usually, you're going to have at least one rate increase per year. And a lot of times it might only be 3% or 5% and it might be manageable. But if one year, three or four people on that company 
company's big book of business all had dialysis for a year, which is very expensive, it can drive those rates up as well. And so you need to know going into it that the price that you start with today is going to increase over time. And that needs to factor into your decision as well. I think it's important for everybody to hear, Daniel, based on what you're saying, that the landscape here is always changing. I think that what probably makes the most sense today, you want to revisit every how often do I want to go back in and look? Yeah, you need to be evaluating your coverage at least once a year. For certain, you want to do that every fall. In September, you're going to get an annual notice of change packet for your Part D plan and your Medicare Advantage plan if you have one. And the benefits that you have today are going to change for next year. So even if you like the plan you have now, you need to look carefully because if the premium is going up or they're dropping one of your medications next year, you want to use that annual election period in the fall to make a change. The same for Medigap. When you get that rate increase letter in the mail, if you have a Medigap plan, that's when you want to go out and shop, see if you can switch to another carrier that has the same plan for less. Sometimes there's underwriting involved in that, depending on the state where you live. But it's good to take a look and see what your options are because over the years, I have come across a number of people in their 80s and 90s who are on a Medigap plan and they never shopped it once since they turned 65. And they're paying $450 a month and some of them are healthy enough to change to a plan where they pay $220. If you don't shop, you're not going to know that. I made the mistake of doing that with my internet once. Right, mm. I didn't shop my internet for maybe five years. I just called the company. I remember I was having a problem. They're like, what plan are you? Oh, we got rid of that plan four <laughs> years ago and you're still on it. And by the way, thank you to them. And it's weird for me to say thank you to AT&T, who was the company that did this. But the past two years, the woman who helped me said, I can give you refund of all the extra money you paid us for the past two years, which was wow. flipping amazing. But the two years before that, I could never get back in this part in their nineties and not looking at it for years, maybe overpaying. Yeah. Yep. Uh, believe it or not, Danielle has a book on this topic, but, but by the way, I, I wish you were passionate about this stuff. <laughs> you know what? Let's just say it's not the most exciting thing about retirement. I know that, but I am <laughs> passionate about it because it's stuff that you just need to know. And if we can get that information into more people's hands earlier, we can save all those 90-year-old grannies from paying $450 a month for their meds up. The book is 10 Costly Medicare Mistakes You Can't Afford to Make. We walk through five decisions you need to make, but there are some severe mistakes we touched the tip of the iceberg there, Danielle. Where can people get it? So you can head on over to 10medicaremistakes.com, which is our website for the book, but you can also find it available on Amazon and Barnes and Noble. And you'll also find a bunch of uh, resources where Danielle lives every day, which is over at Boomer Benefits. Yeah, that's right. Good website there as well. And a YouTube channel with lots of videos. So whether you're a reader or a visual audio learner, we've got information for you. Danielle, thanks a ton for hanging out with us for a few minutes and helping us understand a little bit, just a little bit about Medicare. I appreciate it. My pleasure. Always fun to hang out with you, Joe. Thanks for having me. Hey, trivia fans. It's your deeply saddened and disturbed trivia guide, Joe's mom's neighbor, Doug. By now, you've most certainly heard the worst news ever, shaking the foundation of this great land we call the U.S. of A. Our future looks bleak, people. Where will we laugh with trusted colleagues? Where will we turn to develop new friendships? Where will we fill our bellies with the most awesome deliciousness? 
Yes, the calamity I'm referring to right now is in the news. And thanks for your thoughts and prayers for me on social media that the national treasure that is the Sizzler just declared bankruptcy. Now you and I know that playing the blame game goes nowhere, but this is clearly all assistant manager Todd's fault. At this critical juncture in America's history, though, we don't need to talk about Todd and his suggestion that we eat coconut shrimp. Disgusting. Instead, hashtag Doug 2020, we need leadership that'll help us find a way out of the darkness. Well, of course I have a plan. Of course I do. But first, let's get to today's trivia. Question is, the hit cartoon The Flintstones first debuted on this date in 1960. And because this is a money podcast, how about this one? What was Fred Flintstone's job? I'll be back faster than you can yabba-dabba-doo! If you're a business owner, you don't need us to tell you that running a business is super tough, especially during these crazy times. But I got to tell you, you might be making it harder on yourself than necessary. Don't let QuickBooks or spreadsheets slow you down anymore. It's time to upgrade to NetSuite. Stop paying for multiple systems that don't give you the information you need when you need it. Ditch the spreadsheets and all those old software programs you've outgrown. It's amazing when I talk to people, whether individually about their money or a company about their systems, why do we have five systems when we should probably have one? If you take a road trip to your favorite holiday destination, do you watch five dashboards or do you have one? The cool thing about a dashboard is it makes it really easy to be able to see what's going on all around you and see as much data as possible in as small a place. And that's what NetSuite does. NetSuite gives you visibility and control over your financials, HR, inventory, e-commerce, and more. Everything you need all in one place instantaneously. NetSuite by Oracle is the world's number one cloud business system. So whether you're doing a million or hundreds of millions of revenue, save time and money with NetSuite. Join over 21,000 companies using NetSuite right now. Let NetSuite show you how they'll benefit your business with a free product tour at netsuite.com slash stacker. Schedule your free product tour right now at netsuite.com slash stacker. That's netsuite dot com slash stacker hey trivia fans it's me neighbor doug the guy who's on a mission to save the sizzler america's restaurant first that phrase america's restaurant it's never appeared in sizzler advertising and isn't that a problem I'm a problem solver, that's what I am, but my bigger solution, like a pair of tongs to flip steaks or a chicken fork, is a two-pronged approach. First, we need a GoFundMe page, because let's be honest, the people love the Sizzler and will not let this stand. I'm confident the American people will put up their hard-earned dollars to save this giant corporation as will our international listeners in a spirit of togetherness and respect. And B, my first act as president of these United States, hashtag Doug 2020, will be to execute an executive order to bail out the Sizzler and to make the Sizzler the exclusive restaurant of the United States. 
Much like the post office, there will be a sizzler in every town, and America will be better for it. Before I go and shout my plan from the rooftop, so to speak, let's deliver you today's trivia answer. The question was, the Flintstones first aired on this date in history back in 1960. Well, what did Fred Flintstone do for a living? Fred is a typical blue-collar worker working his butt off as a Bronto crane operator at Slate Rock and Gravel Company. He's the heart of America, and if he were here with me today, he'd say, let's save the sizzler, people, so I have somewhere to go and get a good steak, but not that coconut shrimp, Todd. Pretty sure Fred would say that. All right, it's time for this guy to go to YouTube and figure out how you start a GoFundMe thingy, whatever those are. See ya! I was trying to come up with something cute, like a you know, landscape engineer. Just a hardworking Bronto crane operator, huh? Yeah. And by the way, uh, my heart goes out to Doug today with the Sizzler news. And I know that if Doug becomes president, there's a bailout program, I'm sure. I feel like he could, uh, we might be able to put together a little, uh, little consortium <laughs> of Stacking Benjamins <laughs> listeners. We might, we might be able to go in on this. So you're a big supporter then of the GoFundMe. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, not like monetary support, but <laughs> mental and emotional support for sure. But thoughts and prayers? Thoughts and prayers. Oh, boy. <laughs> to, to Sizzler. All right. that, was, that was the worst news last week I think Doug could have ever heard. Hey, let's throw out the Haven Lifeline and tackle some of life's most important questions. Our friends at Haven Life Insurance Agency, they put what you value first, which is your loved ones and your time, of course. And it's why they've created a modern way to buy life insurance so that you get to your life and you don't spend a ton of time on insurance. Head to stackybenjamins.com forward slash Haven Life now for a free quote. Affordable prices, all policies issued by their parent company, Mass Mutual. I love the fact that they've just streamlined the application. Let's just get on with our life. I don't want to spend years figuring out how my life insurance works. Today, we're going to throw out Dave and Lifeline to our new friend, Amy. Say hi, Amy. Hi, Joe and OG. Greetings from Bavaria, Germany. Joe, we seem to have a lot in common. We both love Bavaria. We both spend a lot of time in Palm Springs and Seattle. We both have twins. We're practically the same person, but I probably have more hair. <laughs> anyway, here's my situation. My husband and I are both U.S. citizens, age 38, living and working in Germany with our three kids. We earn our salaries in euros, we're in the German pension system, and we would like to eventually retire here in Europe. Most of our assets are still in the U.S., our previous retirement accounts, brokerage accounts, 529s, and the cash cushion. The IRS makes it very hard for expats to bank and invest outside the U.S., so we just have a checking account here for our living expenses and emergency fund. Our situation feels a little complex as we think about long-term financial planning, tax strategies, retirement, etc. between two countries. We'd like professional support, but here is where we get stuck. What type of professionals should we be looking for, and in which country, or in both countries? You can assume we are not in the just-buy-a-private-island-in-the-Caribbean-as-a-tax-shelter income bracket, so any guidance for a couple of regular Joes, see what I did there, would be appreciated. P.S. I don't know if you're shipping those great t-shirts overseas, but my t-shirt size is like current interest rates, extra small. 
Oh, the good news, OG, I have somebody to visit now. I have to leave. I cannot finish this podcast episode. I'm headed back to Germany. So just another thing that I don't get invited to? I'm just going to... Another meetup that you like have Instagram story time? She didn't invite you once. I'm going to stay with Amy and her family. She didn't. going to go back to Bavaria. And yet wants my opinion about how to handle all this. Weird. Well, it's a it's a win-win here. I get to go to Bavaria. You get to answer Amy's question, which is fantastic for everybody. That's that's great. And and let's be honest. You and hanging out at Ludwig's castles. No, that doesn't seem like me. No. Be surprised. Maybe you should invite me to something every so often and then we can find out. Maybe maybe you like the Instagram thing that you do from time to time or YouTube. You and videos. I driving down the uh, romantic road together. Well, there have been some romantic moments, I'm not going to lie. Yes, going to see the Koenigsee together. We could bring other people. Oh. It doesn't have to be just you and me. Well, I didn't say because it's a romantic road. It had to be a romantic trip. I think you're the one that, that, that did that. How am, I, how am I getting spun around on this? I, mean, I think you're Anyways, you're awesome and everything. If but you're, let's just get to it, okay? All right. Uh, how do we help Amy? Because... She does have more going on than the average American living in Bavaria. Yeah. The biggest thing with living and working overseas and trying to balance out all of those things is is having the flexibility to benefit from both places. You know, the United States is one of the countries that taxes you on worldwide income. So it doesn't matter if you're a citizen, it doesn't matter where you live and where, what you make your money in, you got to file your income tax return. You get credits for foreign taxes that you pay up to a certain amount, but it does make it difficult. On top of that, investment companies are sometimes reticent to even work with you. You know, we've heard stories of people who are logging in from their accounts overseas and the brokerage company figures out that, hey, for six months in a row, you've logged in from this IP address. That must mean you live over there and we don't do business over there. So we're going to go ahead and close your account and send you a check. And you go, well, wait a second. <laughs> what, what what do you mean send me a check out of my IRA? That's a taxable, you know, that's just a big mess to to try to uncover and, and fix. They are rightly concerned though and about I mean, very concerned about money laundering. Well, it's money laundering and it's the fact that if there's not enough scale in that area of the world for that company, yeah. there's no sense in trying to figure out how do we handle all the specific laws associated with that country. And I understand that. But there are companies that uh, that do specialize in that. There are companies that can help with that. And there are advisors who do that too. You know, um, Google search will help with that. But I think that at the end of the day, you need to have somebody who's familiar with the flexibility options that you have. You have to have somebody that's familiar with what your plans are. Because one of the benefits of living overseas and being a, being a citizen of the United States is you always have a place to come back to if you want. And if that's the case, then you might want to consider having flexibility in your money as well. There's probably a benefit to having money in the U.S. and money in Germany. Probably inadvisable to have money in one place and not the other. You're right. It is a little bit more complicated, but not undoable for for the right people. I think the biggest thing is maintaining your flexibility from an investment standpoint and from a planning standpoint so you can take advantage of whatever changes might happen down the line. One gentleman I know very well who works in this field and he may or may not be the advisor for you. He definitely will know even more about this very specialized area of planning 
my friend uh, Doug Goldstein over at Goldstein and Gelt. He lives in Israel, works with a bunch of people from the United States who are expats. And I know that he's also helped other people. He may be a great resource. He himself is a is a financial advisor, but like anything, make sure you interview different people and ask a lot of questions. But uh, he was my longtime co-host over at uh, the Money Tree Investing Podcast that I did on the side there for a while with he and Linda P. Jones and Miranda Marquit, and uh, just a super all-around nice guy. He is a great resource uh, for people living abroad. And we'll link to Doug, by the way, on our show notes page at stackingbenjamins.com. Thanks for the question, Amy. And um, as soon as this COVID thing is done, man, I'm headed back to Bavaria. We'll be broadcasting live from Bavaria. You think it's bad trying to get up early to do the show in Palm Springs? Wait until you got to do it from Germany. Staying up late yeah. to, do, to do it in, in Germany. All right, that's going to do it for today. Big thanks to everybody who's hung out with us today. Thanks to everyone who's told a friend about the show. By the way, especially this episode, if you have a friend who is getting close to Medicare age, have them listen to this Danielle Roberts interview. Because as Danielle pointed out, there is so much money out there that is sitting on the table. So many decisions that people consistently get wrong. You want to get this one right. So have them listen to that. Also, by the way, big thanks to Ice Cold Ken for making us look good with mom. Five stars from him over at uh, iTunes. OG. He says, lots to learn from Stacking Benjis. I enjoy this podcast and learn a lot, like the humor, and they've introduced me to many concepts and other pods to learn from. That is the goal, Ice Cool Ken, but really the goal kind of, I think, even more than that is just to entertain, entertain ourselves. Glad you're entertained as well. Mom put that one on the fridge, and for that, Ice Cool Ken, you should be proud as well. Last but not least, if you're looking for good financial planning help in your corner, OG and his team are taking clients. It's getting close to that time, OG. I keep waiting for you to tell me to lean across the table and go, we're done for the year. We are done. Not yet. Getting close. But whether OG's done or not, no matter what you do, you want to get the plan for 2021 moving now. We're doing our show plans yep. for 2021 right now. It's time to get the plan moving so that you roar into next year, which can't be any worse than this year. So we know 2021 at the very least, it's going to feel like a great year. You know, when you just got done with something miserable and then something that just isn't miserable happens and you think it's fantastic best thing that ever happened. That's what 2021 is going to be like. So have a plan for it. Get ready. Stackingbenjamins.com forward slash OG. All right. That's going to do it for today. Doug, you got it from here, man. And I think I probably know where he's going, but what should we have learned today? So what should we have learned today? First, take a lesson from our headline. The stock market may fall tomorrow, but don't go acting on a headline that says it will. You'll regret basing your plan on a market watch piece when you don't know what to do next. Second, take a lesson from Danielle Kunkel Roberts. Government benefits are complicated. Learn how it works well ahead of time and you'll make a better Medicare decision. But the big takeaway? Shouting anything from the rooftops is ridiculous if you're doing it from a pitched roof. It's hard to get out there and, I mean... What a horrible phrase. We're going to shout about the sizzler from the porch or from the driveway, not the rooftop. 
Safety first, people. Hashtag Doug 2020. Special thanks to Danielle Kunkel Roberts for joining Joe today. If you want to check out her book, 10 Costly Medicare Mistakes You Can't Afford to Make, you can use our link on our show notes page at stackingbenjamins.com. That way, you can support local bookstores and help the show at the same time. This show is created by Joe Saul Cihai, produced by Taylor Stevens, and engineered by the amazing Steve Stewart. Online, visit us on Twitter at SBenjamin'sCast or on our Facebook page. I'm Joe's mom's neighbor, Doug, and I swear the worst part about coming over to Joe's mom's house is having to put on pants. SB Podcasts may receive payment on the show from sponsors and guests in the form of books, giveaway items, discounts, or other remunerations. That's a big word. There's no way you take advice from these dorks, but like Joe's mom always says, don't take advice from people you don't know. This show is for entertainment purposes only. And before making any financial decisions, consult with a real financial advisor. Somebody in my family's having a milestone birthday. So we are headed out this weekend to a place where you go for milestone birthdays. You know, milestone birthdays, they always dress people in black and the deflated balloons and all the old jokes. No, I've never been that old. (laughs) Nice. Good witty repartee there. We're going to Death Valley. Ah, smart. She wants to go to all the national parks. So this will be my last podcast because we're headed to Death Valley. It's pretty warm there, I understand. The way Death Valley got its name, Cheryl was telling me this yesterday, is that there was another wagon train of people headed out west and they separated into different groups. One group was just going to go around the Mojave Desert. They're like, nope, we're going around it. The other two groups separated. One group, most of the people died. The other group only had one, but the third group only had one person die but had a horrible time and barely made it across the desert. When they got to the other side of the desert, they said, thank God we're leaving that death Valley behind. And that's how death Valley got its name. And even when she said she wanted to go there, I said, they call it death Valley for a reason. (laughs) Yeah. Why are we going to a place called death Valley? Should we go to a place called Alive oasis? Exactly. (laughs) I don't want to go to a death Valley. (laughs) Long Life Mountaintop. Let's go to Long Life Mountaintop. That's where I want to go. Well, check the box. You can sit in the car with the AC running. <laughs> like, well, looks nice. Does this count? Get the passport stamp. Where, where's, where's the stamp person from the National Park people? Where's my passport stamp?
I've already looked at the weather. The weather shows it, it gets to a hundred degrees at one o'clock in the afternoon this weekend. Yeah. So we're going to go hiking in the morning. You should go earlier. And, and by the way, when we were in, oh, oh yeah, we'll be out there early. When we were in Joshua tree. It's funny. Even when it started getting really warm into the mid to high nineties, it just feels like somebody has a fan on you, right? Cause there, there was a nice breeze at Joshua tree. Somebody has a fan on you and it's just blowing warm air at you, but it's really, it's so dry that you don't feel uncomfortable and you don't sweat a lot. And then you get to your, your break where you're going to have a little water. You're like, yeah, I think I have a little water. And then you guzzle water. I mean, my body could not get enough water. And that's when you realize you're like, it is way hotter out here than, uh, than my body thinks it is. Yeah. And the problem with dehydration is that it's sneaky. You know, it's oh, like totally, I didn't feel dehydrated at all until I was sucking down water. I'm like, why am I really sucking down water? And then I look at the temperature on my foot, you know, 96 degrees, yeah. 97 degrees. Yeah. I'm like, oh, it is uh, hydrate the day before with beer, right? Beer copious amounts. Yes. Tons and tons of beer. That's why I keep telling Cheryl. I'm better on four hours of hungover sleep. <laughs> I walk faster. That's going to be great. No better way to celebrate somebody's birthday. <laughs> It's her birthday and I'm hungover. Carrying your ass through Death Valley because you're because you're dehydrated and you got heat stroke because all you drank was beer last night. Horrible. That'd be like the worst birthday. Uh, Happy birthday, Cheryl. Now I can't walk anywhere. I can't do anything. I'm gonna sit here in the car. The AC running. Listening to football. Let me know if you need anything. Exactly. There's a game on, so I'll catch up with you. I'll catch up. You just go ahead. Make the trek however you want, and uh, and I'll be here. And the nice, I'll have the car cooled down perfectly for you. The water's here. Rolling out the red carpet. Yep. I'm doing it because I'm a gentleman. And a scholar. Doing it because I'm a gentleman. You know, back when I was a financial planner, being in the Motor City, I worked with a bunch of engineers and a bunch of automotive engineers. And these guys, I don't know if you had any clients that that did this or do this, OG, but they would go to Death Valley, a place, I think in Northern Death Valley, I think it's called the racetrack. And they they drive these cars in extreme heat to test out cars. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know uh, where, but certainly know that that happens. I, one, of the, uh, one of the people that used to work for me a long time ago, her husband worked in an engineering firm and they would take their cars to Northern Minnesota in the wintertime to do the exact same thing, which sounds just as miserable, <laughs> maybe even more so actually. <laughs> well, I, re- yeah, I, I remember Chet and John, two engineers uh, with General Motors who would go to any extreme, yeah. any place where they could do extreme stuff with cars. That was their job, take it to extreme. And then I worked with these other two engineers, DJ and Paul, actually I got back three, Arlen as well. These guys worked in sound engineering and this was amazing. I loved hearing what people do for their job. But these guys not only work with cars, they also work with Callaway. And their job, their job was not to make a car door actually close better. It was to make the car door sounded like it closed better. Because subconsciously, some company has done a bunch of research and showed that when you close the car door, if it sounds like a real confident close, you think the car is really well put together in your brain. And you feel much more confident. You just like it better. So sound is a big part of the sale. And for Callaway, Callaway hired them to 
make sure that people knew by the sound when they hit the sweet spot of the club. So they had an audible cue of hitting the sweet spot. So they re-engineered the face of the club, not for a better hit that was already done, but so that people could hear when they had a better hit. I thought that was pretty fascinating. All marketing, man. It's all marketing. Well, yeah. And then my neighbor back when I lived in Detroit wrote for Road and Track and I was telling him all this stuff and he kind of rolls his eyes and he goes, he goes, yeah, you know what the engineers at Harley do? They're engineering just for that spitting sound. <laughs> just purely like, I don't care if the, I don't care if the Harley actually runs better. It just has to sound like a Harley. I'm just wondering what the sound you're going to make gasping for water in Death Valley sounds like. <laughs> What's the sound of Joe on his last breath? That's horrible. Wilting away, melting. See, see, and you wonder why I'm not inviting you to Bavaria. You're wondering. I'm melting. I'll do that the second I open the car door, by the way. Yeah. Well, stackers, the show might be over, but the celebrations are just beginning because it is Military Appreciation Month that I want to celebrate people like my brother-in-law, Eric, who is such a giving person. Eric will do just anything for you. And as a Marine you can see that his time in the military taught him to be a guy who gives to his community, gives to his family, and is always there when you need them. This Military Appreciation Month, Navy Federal Credit Union wants to celebrate members like Eric who go above and beyond. Navy Federal offers member-only exclusive rates, discounts, and tools to empower their members and help them reach their goals. Navy Federal's employees are part of the community they serve. Many of them are military family members, reservists, or veterans, and all branches of the military, veterans, DOD employees, and their families are eligible for Navy Federal membership. In fact, there are so many resources on the Navy Federal website, resources like Best Cities After Service to help veterans transition to civilian life and Best Careers for Military Spouses to support military families. Visit NavyFederal.org celebrate, and you'll see all of their Military Appreciation Month offers and other Navy Federal offers. Navy Federal is insured by NCUA, Equal Housing Lender. 